Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a frigid Sunday here in the great state of Iowa uh, after a dominating weekend of Hawkeye athletics in Iowa City and beyond and uh, a lot to talk about. Hopefully you're safe and warm and uh, have already done all the the shoveling or snow blowing you need to do and don't have to go anywhere until uh, maybe even have Monday off. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday. Maybe you even don't have to go to work tomorrow, wherever you are, however you're listening. I appreciate that. And uh, and again, yeah, what a weekend for Hawkeye sports. We'll start with last night's game, the, the kind of headliner of the weekend. Weren't sure if this game was going to get uh, in because of Indiana's travel difficulty, but uh, hats off to the Indiana women who were able to fly on Saturday morning, got into their hotel by about noon, I think, on Saturday, and then had the game at Carver Hawkeye Arena, uh, 7 o'clock last night. Fox nationally televised, a big, big spot for, for both teams, a big spot for women's basketball, Big Ten basketball, Gus Johnson on the call, uh, it was. Uh, this is the game that we had circled for a while. Certainly after the Caitlin Clark heroics in the season finale, the regular season finale a year ago inside Carver Hawkeye Arena, where she hit the big three late in the game to beat Indiana, going into the Big Ten tournament, and uh, and that kind of sparked Iowa or, or continued to spark Iowa to a run to the Final Four in the national championship game. We all know how that went. And uh, so this was a big one because Indiana, you know, wants this win. That's a really good program, a really good team. Mackenzie Holmes, a really good player in the Big Ten. And they're the 14th ranked team in the country coming in uh, Friday night. The crowd wasn't great for the men. We'll talk about that game as we move forward. Understandably so, I should say. And so was really kind of uncertain as to what to expect for a crowd on Saturday night, uh, you know, with blizzard like conditions and other 10 or so inches of snow, I think, you know, pushing 20 inches in the week of snow and just, you know, dangerously cold temperatures. And it didn't seem to matter. I mean, by all accounts, uh, certainly watching on TV and and every all of the the pictures and things, but even the media members who were there were saying that that place was, you know, 90 percent full. After the game, Lisa Bluter, Caitlin Clark, Molly Davis, and others uh, gave a lot of credit to the, the crowd for making it out there, providing that energy, uh, creating that atmosphere that looked great on TV, sounded great, and uh, and helped Iowa to a huge win over Indiana. Uh, not just a big win because of, of everything around it and, and all of the importance of it, but a big win in, in numbers-wise, uh, what, 27-point win. Over Indiana, 84 to 57. Iowa wins its 14th game in a row, runs its record to 17 and one on the season, six and zero in the Big Ten. And uh, anybody who said that Iowa wasn't the best team in the Big Ten before the season or at any point during the season uh, certainly got a uh, some evidence to the contrary last night because Iowa just ran this team out of the gym in the second half. The first quarter was close, uh, but Iowa just wasn't hitting shots. Caitlin Clark was 0 of 6 from behind the arc. Iowa uh, unable to really connect on anything deep. They were they were trying, you know, not for lack of trying, but um, even with that being said, Iowa left the first quarter with a two-point lead, and that really felt encouraging. It felt like, okay, Obviously, Caitlin Clark's not going to go over from deep, but even the rest of the team is going to kind of find their stride at some point here. And once they start hitting shots, uh, they're going to be able to pull away. And boy, did they ever. Uh, just a six-point lead at the half, um, but it, it did feel like Iowa had kind of 
you know, they turned a corner there. Uh, Caitlin Clark, I think, hit four threes in the second quarter and really felt like, uh, you know, the, the last one especially really felt like, okay, all the momentum is on Iowa's side at this point. And then they just blitzed them in, in the second half. 22 to 11 was the score in the third quarter as Iowa really pulled away. And then it, it was unable, Indiana unable to really answer anything in the fourth. 19 to 9 was the score in the fourth quarter. Uh, it all adds up to an 84 to 57 win. For the Hawkeyes, Caitlin Clark led the way with 30 points, uh, 11 assists, a double-double for her. She did have six turnovers um, and, uh, what, five rebounds total, four or four from the line, 10 to 21 uh, from the floor. Not 30, not 40 shots, just just 21. Six of 16 from behind the arc. Not a great shooting night for Caitlin Clark, but 30 points, 11 assists, and uh, and led her team to a victory, but... We'll get back to some of the Caitlin Clark stuff in, in just a minute, but uh, you know, really have to shout out a couple of other uh, Hawkeyes who played so well. I mean, Molly Davis was the the kind of story of the game. 18 points, uh, two assists, a steal, three rebounds, but really what she provided uh, alongside Caitlin Clark, but maybe more importantly, uh, in the absence of Caitlin Clark. Uh, that's what Molly Davis is here to do, to, to kind of be the backup, but also be that off guard, as Lisa Bluter talked about in the post game. And she just, she stepped up. She, she had maybe her best game as a Hawkeye. Uh, I, I think she showed some things that if she's able to, again, consistently uh, put out this kind of an output, and you don't expect 18 points from her every night or anything like that, but just the fact that she's able to kind of pick up the slack. Kaylin Clark went out of the game halfway through the second quarter with her uh, second foul, and not only did Iowa not slip, I mean, it really felt like at that point, okay, here's Indiana's chance to get back into this game, to make a run, uh, maybe even take a lead, because Iowa, let's see, five minutes, Kaylin Clark got her, her second foul, four minutes and 49 seconds left in the second quarter. Iowa was up by four. There was a, a official TV timeout, the under five timeout right then. And then Indiana came out and scored right away. So that's a two point game essentially when Caitlin Clark goes out and the next couple of minutes as she sits and, uh, and, you know, gets a little bit of rest, but also uh, avoids getting that third foul in the first half. Molly Davis makes a layup and she gets the N one. So she completes the three point play. Now I was back up five. She had an incredible assist to Sharon Goodman that kind of behind the back found found uh, Goodman for an, an easy layup there. Uh, that was after a Mackenzie Holmes layup. So now Iowa again back up five. Um, then Molly Davis has that steal and goes coast to coast for the layup. Now Iowa up seven, uh, gave up a three pointer there. But then Molly Davis returns with a layup right there. And now so and then Caitlin Clark comes back in the game. So essentially. You know, when Caitlin Clark left, they were up for Hawkeyes were up for really up to once Indiana scored. And when she came back in the game, the Hawkeyes were up six. I mean, the, the fact that you can even hold serve against the top 15 team without Caitlin Clark says so much. But to be able to extend the lead uh, just says it really says how how big of a factor Molly Davis was in those couple of minutes. But that wasn't the only strong stretch of the game she had. She just played really, really well. And uh, it was really cool to kind of see her get that love after the game, get that love, you know, talking in the post game. She got choked up talking about what it meant to be there after a great career at Central Michigan to, to for, you know, for Lisa Bluter to have the faith in her uh, for this team, to have the confidence in her to kind of step up in a moment like that. Uh, it meant the world to her. And that was great to see because uh, as we've talked about 
time and time again, this team has to be more than Caitlin Clark if they're going to achieve the goals that they want to achieve. She'll be able to do what she does, and she's good enough on her own to elevate a team and to you know make runs and to, to beat good teams, and she's going to be able to do things that nobody else has ever done. But if this team is a legitimate Final Four caliber team, if this team is going to do things like beat South Carolina again, like compete with UConn and UCLA and some of these other really, really good teams uh, in women's basketball, she's going to need more than than we are going to need more than just a Caitlin Clark. Uh, and we got that from Molly Davis last night. We also got it from Gabby Marshall, who was four of seven from deep after missing a couple early. She really hit her stride in the second half. And it's so great to see Gabby hitting threes. Uh, if she can do that at a consistent level, I think I saw John Miller tweet this last night. I mean, that, that takes Iowa to a final four caliber team right there. We saw it last year. She had that slump in the middle of the season, but really came on strong late in the year and, and through the tournaments. And that was a huge part of why Iowa was able to do what they were able to do in March of last year. So Gabby, who's always a great defender and is always going to be out there, even if she's not hitting shots, uh, to see her have that confidence to step into some of those threes and and get 12 points, hit four of seven, was fantastic. Kate Martin, the glue, just uh, doing what she does, 10 points, 12 rebounds. She had a really good game. She was three of eight from the field. Uh, the, the whole team was good from the free throw line, nine of 10 uh, on the night, 90%. That's fantastic. Um, the only kind of... It, thing you you could call into question I guess was well first of all the the early shooting woes but Iowa shoots out of their slumps I mean they they took a lot of threes the Hawkeyes did 36 threes uh, on the night that that's a lot of shots that's putting up a lot of threes but they made them at more than a 41 percent clip 15 or 36 on the the evening again the only kind of uh other thing you can point your finger at was there was a time where it felt like some some of the foul trouble uh down low was going to get get Iowa. Um, Hannah Stolke ended up with only two fouls, but uh, Saren Goodman had three. Sydney Falter had two. Uh, so they Addison O'Grady had one. I mean, they had to throw some bodies at Mackenzie Holmes, who they they were able to mostly hold in check with sixteen points and seven rebounds. That's an All Big Ten caliber player who uh, wasn't able to really get loose uh, for her season averages last night, and and that was great. So you know Iowa has. Uh, the the bigs down low to to throw extra bodies out there, but you do have to be careful about getting some of those ticky tack fouls. Caitlin Clark had four fouls, uh, ended with four fouls on the night, and uh, and again those six turnovers that she had. But she has the ball in her hands so many times, so often she's attempting so many passes, uh, she's she's making so many great passes. I mean, eleven assists, and so you you kind of you take the good with the bad when it comes to that with Caitlin Clark elsewhere. There, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about stat wise. Um, you had a couple of people uh, get into the game. Uh, Kylie Fierbach had a couple of rebounds and a block. Um, Taylor McCabe uh, had a couple of minutes, but beyond that, it was really the, the starting five and then Goodman, a falter and O'Grady who came in and spelled down low. And, uh, and this was just a complete team win other than, you know, the, the, the depth of the bench. This was, what you wanted from this team, uh, how great was the atmosphere? I mean, the the striped Carver even kind of worked. That that never works great. It's never going to be like it is in Kinnick, and especially on a night where you're not expecting, you, you don't know how many people are actually come out. And then, you know, people are just dressing to survive the, the, the trip to and from their cars in the parking lot and to and from their homes. And so you can understand why people sitting in the, you know, the gold section may have worn black or something like that. But uh, outside of that, it, it looked fantastic. 
Um, and again, that's a good Indiana team that I would just ran out of the building. Uh, that, that was fantastic. Just a lot of a lot of fun uh, to to watch that game last night. Again, hearing Gus Johnson with the Molly D and going nuts, and I'm you know I'm sure a lot of people got annoyed by the amount of Caitlin Clark coverage there was both in the pregame and during the game. I mean, how they talked to her at halftime, like the sideline reporter, rather than than grabbing Lisa Bluter. Uh, talk to Caitlin Clark. I don't know that I'd ever seen a player be interviewed mid-game like that before, but if it's ever going to happen, uh, it's going to be Caitlin Clark. And, and you know, she is just such a, a lightning rod at this point, and understandably so. And again, um, if this was another player, it would probably, you could understand how it'd get a little annoying uh, you know, watching the coverage and just seeing how much they talk about her, but it's completely well deserved. It's completely understandable, and it hasn't gotten to her head. I mean, the 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 hate that she gets has nothing to do with who she is as a person or how she conducts herself off the floor. There's some complaining about her, uh, you know, dealing with the refs, but that that's part of the game. That's gamesmanship. Uh, every men's basketball player does that. Every good men's basketball player has done that. Uh, people just don't like it because it's Caitlin Clark. And uh, it's, you know, the, these girls are supposed to be nice, right? They're not supposed to say, damn, they're not supposed to get upset. They're not supposed to have passion. Uh, and, and so it's there. There's a misogynistic element to it. And then just the the overall kind of. Uh, backlash against Caitlin Clark. It's it's what we do. We build people up and we we tear them down. It sucks that some of it's coming from uh, within the own, their own house, though, right? It sucks that Kim Mulkey will take veiled shots at Caitlin Clark. It sucks that Don Staley will tweet veiled shots about Caitlin Clark. I mean, this is a uh, this is the best player in their game. One of the best players to ever do this. Maybe the best player to ever do it. Uh, she is elevating the game to a new level. She's bringing new eyeballs to the game. She's doing it with class and integrity. Uh, she's doing everything you could possibly want her to do. And she's still taking uh, shots from the the most famous people inside her own sport. It, it really kind of sucks that that's the case, but it's not that's not the overwhelming majority or anything like that. It's not the majority. Most people appreciate what they're seeing. Most people enjoy Kaylin Clark and understand the importance of her uh, and, and what this Iowa team has done. Um, and so, you know, you just have to kind of let that roll off your back and, and let the, the, the Twitter fights happen because that's it's just going to get worse. It's just going to happen more and more uh, as she continues through this senior season, as Iowa continues to win games um, and, and continues to kind of, as she continues to put up records, I think she's nine short of Brittany Griner for fourth all-time scoring at this point. When she breaks that record, there's going to be a lot of uh, people taking shots about her, uh, you know, the number of shots she takes and calling her a ball hog, even though she's the Big Ten all-time leader in assists. Um, you know, you just going to have to pick and choose your battles as Hawkeye fans as to who you want to really argue with, how much, how much of your time you want to waste arguing with people who have to find a reason to dislike Caitlin Clark. At this point, it's, it's, it says more about them than it does about her. Uh, if you can't, if you can't appreciate this, if you can't enjoy this again, if, if you're a rival, that's one thing. And, and you can say, Hey, I don't, I don't like her. I wish she wouldn't win. I wish she wasn't as good as she is. Um, but you can do that without trying to detract from what she actually is doing and what the numbers tell us and and the success that she is having and the the place within really the pantheon of American sports that she holds at this point. Um, it's it's a shame that we can't just appreciate it and enjoy it. It's a shame that any of it has to be negative, but that 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 that's what we do.
Um, and so it's what we do as people. It's what we do as sports fans. And so, uh, you know, let let most of that run run off your back, water off your back. Uh, it's not not a big deal. And she will just continue to shut them up. I mean, it's wild how she always comes through. She's worth the price of admission. She's worth driving through a blizzard, uh, walking, you know, a few hundred yards in, in dangerously cold temperatures to go to a game on a Saturday night and uh, and be awed. I saw David Pollock. Who's a uh, a Fox you know football broadcaster got on a plane and took his daughter to go see Caitlin Clark. I mean you you have to do this while you can. It's feeling more and more like this will be her final season. I mean there she hasn't said that or anything like that, but it just it, you get that feeling right that uh, this is this is kind of her swan song. This is the end of it, and and you know she doesn't want it to end anytime soon. And maybe some of that will be dictated by how Iowa does once March comes around. If they make another final four run, if they go beyond that, if they if, if she brings home a championship, um, you know, if there's nothing left for her to accomplish here, you have to assume that, you know, most of her teammates are going to be moving on. I mean, uh, the, they don't they won't have a choice. Molly Davis and Kate Martin and, and Gabby Marshall will be moving on. So let's appreciate Caitlin Clark while we have her. She will be back uh, on the the Carver Hawkeye floor Tuesday night against Wisconsin. That's an eight o'clock tip. That's a Wisconsin team that hasn't beaten Iowa in nearly a decade. And so you feel pretty good about that. And then a week from today, next Sunday at Ohio state, another ranked team. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. 11 AM tip on Sunday afternoon. Uh, that, that'll be great. So that's a, that's the Caitlin Clark. Just appreciate it while you can, man. That was uh that was so much fun. We'll talk a little bit about the men's big win against Nebraska next. All right, let's go back to Friday night and a uh, a big one on the mat before we uh, before we get to the the basketball game, the men's game. Uh, number three, Iowa. Number six, Nebraska, and the Hawkeyes uh, came away with a win in that uh, in that duel. Um, the big match was Zach Glazier up against Silas Allred, and uh, he, he you know not only did he upset the defending Big Ten champion, but he handed him a, a major decision, which really put the duel away for Iowa and, uh, and got them another win. And that was uh, just fantastic to see. And then this wrestling team is, uh, is doing really well on the mat. I'll, uh, I'll try to get a, uh, a wrestling expert in here on the podcast at some point to talk a little bit more in depth. Cody Goodwin was my guy, but he's now down in Alabama covering a, a head coaching search down there. And we'll talk a little bit about football and, and Iowa's coaching search uh, as we move forward through this podcast. But uh, after Iowa beats Nebraska on the mat, uh, the Iowa men put it on Nebraska on the court. 94-67, to the win at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Not a great crowd, but that was really in, in the heart of the, you know, the, the snow and the blizzard and completely understandable why people weren't able to make it out uh, for that game. But, but the Iowa men able to kind of create their own energy and, and certainly came out hot, uh, came out strong, built a 15-point a lead, and then kind of handled that away. <laughs> very quickly and uh, you know you still have the issues this team is not perfect and it, it's far from it uh the interior defense is still lacking uh that they're they're just really susceptible there uh to getting smoked at from you know f- from time to time and uh and if if they're not shooting well if, if these men aren't shooting well uh they they really can struggle and uh and we've seen that several times but uh this was this was one of the good ones they they, they again they gave up that that lead uh, in this in the first half, but did go to halftime with a five point lead, uh, and then and then came out really strong in the second half as well. 
uh, before kind of letting Nebraska into it at some point and, and finally pulling away uh, to a 18 point win. And uh, this is a Nebraska team that that's good, man. This is 13 and four and just beat uh, Purdue. And so, you know, it was there was a bit of a perfect storm here for Iowa in that Nebraska's coming off that huge emotional win. Uh, it's a, a crazy kind of travel circumstances to get over there. A really dead arena where, you know, you're not going to get much energy from the crowd, either positive or negative if you're in Nebraska and then really got punched in the face. But good on them for for able to, you know, being, a, being able to uh, even things out at one point, but Iowa able to kind of pull away. Just another great game from Owen Freeman, who led the team with 22 points. He had 10 rebounds, a double-double for him, one of three Hawkeyes uh, with a double-double. And uh, he will likely be the Big Ten Freshman of the Week again. Uh, he will be the Big Ten Freshman of the Year if he continues at this pace. And uh, he's he's been a revelation. He's been fantastic ever since he's been inserted into that starting lineup. His energy has been great. He played 32 minutes. Uh, he looks really good doing it. Again, can be... Uh, a, a defensive liability at times and, and a few times, especially in this game, went for steals that he didn't need to go for. And that allowed for a lot of open dunks, a lot of a lot of big open, uh, you know, exclamation points at the rim for Nebraska in this game. But uh, ultimately, I was was too much. All five Hawkeyes starters scored in double figures, as did Josh Dix, who we'll get to. Uh, he had 16 points. Peyton Sanford had 19. He was five of 12 from three point land. He had 10 rebounds. Uh, he's the second Hawkeye with a, a double-double 19 and 10. And then Tony Perkins had 11 points, 15 assists. I think his career high was 7 or 8 coming into this game. And so nearly doubled that and uh, and just played really well. Again, great energy from Tony Perkins. Didn't shoot great, 3 of 12 from the field, uh, but 15 assists is huge. And, uh, and, and his energy was great. Ben Cricky had 12 points and 3 rebounds, a couple of assists. Uh kind of a quiet game from Ben Cricky, but uh, hit, hit a couple of really nice shots, two or two from three point land was good to see him. And then Patrick McCaffrey had a nice game before leaving with a, a tweaked ankle, 12 points for him, five rebounds, a couple of assists and, uh, and four of seven from the field for Patrick McCaffrey. Uh, all of the scoring, mostly almost all of the scoring was done by that starting five. He had two points for uh, who played 11 minutes off the bench. Dembele, you saw Evan Bronze get into the game. DeSante Bowen only played three minutes. Uh, and then Josh Dix was was the big guy. Josh Dix had a great game. 27 minutes off the bench. He had 16 points. He was 5 of 7 from deep. It was really, really good to see him get going from uh, from downtown. And, and that's one of those things where after the game, you know, Fran McCaffrey talked about, hey, I just I need to get him some more minutes. This is what he's done in practice. Uh, we 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 like him. He's the guy who got to start instead of Patrick McCaffrey when Patrick was out with an illness in that game against Rutgers last week. And so Josh Dix is a guy that that Fran really likes that uh, has a place on this team. And if he can you know, come up with any consistency uh, playing the way he did Friday night against Nebraska. That that's kind of a game changer for this team. Uh, there's a couple of you know kind of bigger picture things I wanted to talk about with this this Iowa men's team. Uh, quickly, we'll go through some of the the, the team stats from this game. Iowa shot better than fifty percent uh, from the field, better than forty percent from three point land, just sixty four percent from the the free throw stripe. 9 of 14 there, but out rebounding Nebraska 36 to 34. That's really good to see. 30 assists on 35 made shots. That's fantastic. Again, 
half of those coming from Tony Perkins. Uh, but that that's really, really good to see. That's the kind of ball that Iowa needs to play. Did have um, six, oh, just six turnovers and scored eight points off of eight Nebraska turnovers. So really took care of the ball well. Uh, had 16 fast break points. Uh, really got smoked in points in the paint. 46 for Nebraska. You, that's that's way too much uh, to give up. But uh, ultimately, you feel really, really good about the way this, this team won that game. Uh, up next for Iowa, Monday night, tomorrow night at home. Oh, no. Yeah. No, let me see. At at Minnesota Monday night at Minnesota five o'clock tip it's a Minnesota team who's three and two in the Big Ten uh, just coming off a loss at Indiana but did win at Michigan beat Maryland uh, and beat beat this Nebraska team by 10 uh, at home in December lost to Ohio State and again at Indiana so this is a you know a 12 win Minnesota team it's always an interesting game up there uh, I was going to have to bring its own energy. I was going to have to continue to shoot the way it did, the way it has these last couple of games, um, find a way to, you know, help that interior defense. And uh, you feel okay about this. And and you need Iowa to kind of go on a little bit of a run here. Um, they they now, what, yeah, Minnesota, and then it's against Purdue. So <laughs> that not not going on much of a run here. But, you know, then there's a home game against Maryland. You're at Michigan. That That's a, a game that they should have circled because they – feel like they probably should have beaten Michigan at home and, and weren't able to do that. And so uh, you, you kind of feel like you need to get a win here to keep this momentum going. You don't feel good about that Purdue game, of course, but you feel like if you can beat Minnesota on the road, uh, you really have something kind of going here. And and I saw Joe Lunardi has Iowa, uh, you know, on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. I, I don't know that he put out I haven't seen like the exact bracketology, but he put out a list of, of teams in and out per conference. And he said, Iowa was you know considered. So that's a bubble team for Iowa. And, uh, and really at this point, I mean, if Iowa can play itself back onto the bubble and, and into the NCAA tournament, I don't know how that's not considered a success, uh, you know, with a, a bit of a rebuilding year, but also with the way that uh, the conference play has started. And so, uh, you know, some big, some big opportunities here for Iowa, uh, moving forward, I did also want to just play this uh, the post game interview from the Big Ten Network with Fran McCaffrey, who is now tied with Tom Davis as the winningest coach in program history. He has already passed Tom Davis uh, in Big Ten wins, and you know, there's just there, there's as we've talked about, as you're all aware, there's a a disconnect bef- between Fran McCaffrey and this fan base for whatever reason. Uh, there's a lot of nuance in this conversation, to be sure. But I do feel like Fran doesn't quite get the credit that he deserves uh, for what he's done for this program, for the the success that they've had, the, the sustained success that they've had. Uh, y- yes, they've lost in March. And, and yes, uh, I would love to see this team get to a sweet 16 and beyond. Um, but that's not the end all be all, even though it feels like it sometimes with with college basketball. You have to be able to assess the situation deeper than that. And uh, and and the bottom line is Fran has been really really good for this program. He's going to 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 beat Tom Davis, uh, past Tom Davis as the winningest coach in program history, and uh, and and deservedly so. And you know, I just I really liked this um, this interview from Fran McCaffrey after the game uh, on the Big Ten Network for a couple of levels. Let's play it, and then I'll talk about it. You tie Tom Davis for most career wins at Iowa. What does it mean for you? Well, considering the amount of respect I have for that man and how long I've known him and the standard that he set for anybody that came after him, uh, it's a tremendous feeling. 
uh, it's also an indication, it's indicative of, I have really good players. I have really good players with character. I've had great staff, an unbelievable support of my family. And I'm just proud to be the Hawkeye coach. Coach, you went 2-3 zone in the second half there. Gave Nebraska some trouble. Got you guys going. Talk about that decision. We talked about it in the first half, right? And, and, and I, I said no. You know, my assistant, Sherman Dill, is like, let's take a look at zone. I'm like, no. And he said it again. I said, yeah, let's try it. And, and it really worked. Our activity level was good. I think for the most part, we rebounded out of it. That's always the problem, as you know, especially when they're shooting threes. And then we got our break going, so it was really good. Talk about the play of Josh Dix. You, you know, played a bunch of minutes against Rutgers, got himself kind of going, and then, you know, doubled it up again today. He, he's a special player. And I've been saying it. I've said it to you. I've said it to everybody. You know, I just have to get him more minutes. Uh, that's on me, and I've been doing that, and he just produces. He's practicing really well, and he's earned it. Coach, thanks so much. Congratulations. I get that Fran McCaffrey's antics uh, on the on the floor are strange sometimes. I get that he has a reputation for being a hothead, uh, for getting thrown out of games, for you know going after referees, for things like that. I, I understand all of that. Again, there's a lot of nuance in this conversation, but that is an A plus interview. I don't know how you could have answered those questions any better than than what he just did. Um, and I don't know how you can hear that as a Hawkeye fan and not appreciate Fran McCaffrey. I mean, first of all, the reverence he has for Dr. Tom Davis, for the university, for the program, for the history uh, within that university. I mean, he he is proud to be the Hawkeye coach. He has been for a long time. Uh, he's He's got blood, sweat, and tears into this program, and, and he's done a really, really good job. Not perfect. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people, not good enough when it comes to tournament success, but He's got Iowa finishing in the top half of the Big Ten every year. He's, go, he's going to the tournament every year. Obviously, this year they're down a little bit, but we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, I just, I, I think, and then to immediately, so, you know, he, he first of all acknowledges the history of the program and then immediately turns to, hey, I have good players and good coaches. And and then I love that that second exchange. And, and I saw some stuff on Twitter about this also where um, – you know, kind of using this as as a a tick against Fran, where I see it as the exact opposite. To say, hey, not not only did did Sherman Dillard say we should go to the zone, and I disagreed with him. Uh, once he said it again, I said, yeah, let, let's try that, and then it worked. And so, uh, you know, people see that as like, well, he he relented to his assistant coach, and he you know he 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 was too stubborn to take his advice at first. That that's not the way this worked. Um, it's like uh, I tweeted this, you know, Sherman Dillard, he, he, he found a great assistant coach in Sherman Dillard. He has kept him on staff and kept him happy. Uh, he listened to him in an important moment, and then he gave him all the credit on national TV when he was asked about it. I, I don't know what else you could ask for from any coach than what you got from Fran there. And then obviously the, the final answer about Josh Dix, and hopefully he'll be able to keep things rolling here uh, again. We're not going to solve this problem, and and maybe it's maybe the the ship has sailed on Fran, and and people just don't like him and are are unwilling to uh to acknowledge the the success he has had, uh, the place in history that he has within the Iowa athletic department and the Iowa basketball program. Maybe some people it's just it's just never going to happen, uh, but logically it doesn't make any sense, and objectively it doesn't make any sense, and I hope uh, I hope Fran. Um, 
has more success. I hope he's able to lead a Hawkeye team to the, to the sweet 16 and get that monkey off his back, get the monkey off the programs back. Will it happen? I don't know, but I hope that that happens. And I thought that was a fantastic exchange from him and congratulations to Fran McCaffrey uh, for becoming, I was, you know, all time leader in wins and, and tied with toxic Tom Davis and, and will, will pass him hopefully Monday night at Minnesota. Just a couple of minutes on the, the football situation as uh, as we learn that Kelton Copeland is out as the wide receivers coach. We still don't have an offensive coordinator. Hopefully that'll come here in the next week or so. I think Kirk Ferentz had said, you know, second, third week of January is, is kind of what he had circled for that. I think he probably knows where he's going, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and, and making the announcement. I do think the Kelton Copeland departure uh, tells you that they're they're pretty far along in this process and, and that whoever the OC is uh, will come in and, and maybe bring a wide receivers coach with him. Uh, Kelton Copeland seemed like a good guy. Just I was a wide receiver situation for a lot of different reasons uh, has just been 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 not great the last few seasons and uh, probably not a bad uh, idea to to make a change there. Uh, make a change on a, on a few different levels. It's not all his fault that he couldn't retain wide receivers. Why would you go to Iowa if you're a wide receiver under that offense? And so uh, hopefully he lands on his feet and, and figures things out. And, uh, and it's time for Iowa to, to move here. I know there's a lot of frustration that, you know, like Alabama had Nick Saban retire and then had a head coach within just a few days. And Iowa has had 80 days to, to hire an offensive coordinator and they haven't done so well. Th- those two things, it's it's apples and oranges. They're, they're completely different things. And Kirk Ferentz isn't going to be rushed uh, by anybody to make this decision. Um, Kalen DeBoer goes from Washington to Alabama to replace Nick Saban. And that left a lot of people wondering what will happen to Ryan Grubb, who is the offensive coordinator at Washington. Obviously, Washington just made it to the national championship game and lost to Michigan. Uh, that would be a dream situation if, if I was able to grab Ryan Grubb. I don't know that that's uh, realistic at all. I don't think so. Uh, but he is not going to be the head coach at Washington. He put out a post on social media saying even though he wanted that job, he's not going to get it. Uh, he's an Iowa native, uh, clearly a great offensive coordinator, a great offensive mind. I don't know that it fits with Iowa's system, but maybe Iowa's system will change drastically. I, I wouldn't hold your breath on Ryan Grubb at Iowa. I do think it'll be Paul Christ. I think there's still a chance it'll be Joe Philbin. I hope it's Paul Christ. Uh, I, I heard Chad Lystico and Scott Docterman on uh, on their podcast earlier this week kind of laying out Paul Christ's history as an offensive coordinator, uh, what he did at Wisconsin taking over an offense similar to what Iowa has dealt with, not as bad, but similar to what Iowa has had the last couple of seasons and how quickly he was able to change there. We know how much success he had at Wisconsin. We know that they're a similar type of program and ran a similar offense to what Iowa hopes to run moving forward. And so I think that's, that's a good thing. You're not going to probably get the splashy big name you know, crazy, drastic change higher that that a lot of people want. But short of that, which, again, I don't think is realistic. So short of that, I think a guy like Paul Chris is about as good as you can ask for. And and it's a guy who can come in, make immediate change, uh, work well with Kirk Ferentz, work well within the the program, recruit well within the uh, within the the geography of of Iowa. And uh, and I think that's probably where it's headed. Again, if it's Joe Philbin, that's a different thing as well. Um, But I think we will know. You know, by the end of this week, I think is is probably realistic for uh for understanding where I was moving forward with the offense, and then a lot of it's just going to be 
you know, how they talk about it and, and when they talk about it and what Kirk Ferentz says about it and what guys like Cade McNamara say about it and Caleb Brown and Caleb Johnson and, you know, the other playmakers on this uh, offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, you're going to hear a lot before we see anything. And so uh, we're all going to, you know, break apart into minutia everything that's said. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to break this down because that's all we have to do. Uh, but, you know, you, you hope that you'll hear from whoever the new OC is and Kirk Ferentz and uh, and then, you know, slowly players and things like that moving forward. And so it's it's going to be an interesting offseason for this offense. The defense is running it back, man. I mean, to, to be able to, to nab the, the five guys who, who decided to come back and you, you knew that Cooper DeGene was going to go to the NFL and good for him for doing that. He needs to do that. That's that's just too big of an opportunity to, to pass up at this point. Um, but outside of that, to have all of these other guys come back is just an incredible uh, statement about Phil Parker, about Kirk Ferentz, about the program, about the the culture within that program, and then about how good this defense can expect to be next year. I mean, th- this is is it was uh, was one of the best defenses in the country, certainly in the second half of the season, and and I think expects to be again this coming season. And so you've got guys like Jay Higgins who, you know, will be probably preseason first team all America. You'll have guys like Nick Jackson who are going to be going for an NCAA tackles record. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this defense as it seemingly always is. And uh, what will the offense be to pair with it? It, will it be enough to uh, put Iowa into a, you know, challenge for the big 10 type year? Will it be, be enough to put Iowa into a challenge for a, a you know, one of the 12 playoff spots this coming season, you know, that may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I think you'll expect Iowa to be a ranked team. And if you can keep Cade McNamara upright, if you can keep these, uh, these offensive players healthy, like Luke Lachey, uh, and, and if you can insert any sort of life into, into the offense from a play calling and scheme perspective, uh, you have to really, really feel good about where this program is headed uh, into the 2024 season. That's going to do it for me. Stay warm, stay dry, go Hawks. Hopefully you uh, you, you catch the game tomorrow night. It's going to be another big week of Hawkeye hoops, and uh, we'll have a cover from all angles at HawkeyeNation.com, as we always do. I appreciate you listening, and go Hawks. Go Hawks.